Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. For the first time in several weeks, Dusty, I missed you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, 2023. We finally kicked this thing off. We took a couple weeks off with the, with the holidays. We typically record Sunday, Monday, and that was both Christmas Day and New Year's Day. So here we are um, looking ahead now, coming out of the Rose Bowl and um, trying to figure out what this team is in 2023 and kind of recapping what's happened since the season did end. Well, we are going to start with the news, and what that involves is player movement. So we'll take care of that in quarter number one. Quarter number two, we'll get to all of that post-Rose Bowl excitement leading into the 23 season. We're also going to take a look at those uh, coordinators, both the offensive and defensive coordinators in quarter number three. And quarter number four, we're going to bring him back also, our wrestling buddy Jeff Byers. And that's the segment, Dusty, where I just back off and let you guys talk grappling, wrestling. That'll be your thing. So let, let's get to some of the Penn State news. Uh, Dusty, you know, the postseason now, there's no offseason. It's the postseason player movement, which means who's declaring for the draft, who's entering the portal, who's just deciding, you know what, I've had enough football, I'm moving on. And then the exciting side is the other way, players coming in through the uh, through the transfer portal and it's been I would say pretty calm these first few weeks but there have been some portal movement incoming let's start with that the names to know so far and it's one of the great names Storm Duck cornerback from North Carolina coming in wide receiver Devin Carter from NC State and punter Riley Thompson, who uh, just did his freshman year at Florida Atlantic, supposed to be a very good punter. What do you think of the addition so far? I think they, they are um, timely for, for the positions. Um, so you look, you know, I think to bring in Riley Thompson, who had a pretty good year at FAU as a punter, and to pit him head-to-head with Alex Pachetta, who was a freshman who didn't win the job because Barney Amore um, had such a good offseason, a good um, good 2022 season. You know, I think that that should theoretically bring out the best in one or both of these guys. And I think it's a pretty good tone setter that um, everybody's going to have to compete for what they get. It's something that James Franklin says again and again and again. And even the punting job isn't just handed to somebody because they're there and they're talented. You know, he's going to have to work to earn that. And if he doesn't earn it, it's because Riley Thompson was better and deserved to start. Uh, when you look at, you know, cornerback and wide receiver, you know, they're not done at wide receiver. I think that's pr- been pretty abundantly clear. A whole bunch of offers have gone out. But really, just, just after the Rose Bowl to get Devin Carter, who's six foot four, 205 pounds, and from what I understand, a very good deep threat, which brought up the whole idea of, you know, the offense maybe doing a bit of a shift to capitalize on arm strength now that Sean Clifford didn't have, that Drew Aller does have. So that's something I'll be watching is to see if there's a type or if they're just looking to get the best veterans they can get. 
Um, Devin Carter, I don't think, is in the category of um, Mitchell Tinsley when it comes to production and, and being a sure thing and, and all that. But I'll tell you what, the, the frame and, and his game intrigues me quite a bit. And then Storm Duck, uh, not just a Disney movie villain. He's a pretty good six foot, two hundred pound <laughs> cornerback from North Carolina. Who I think it kind of reminds me of Johnny Dixon as somebody who, in this case, played a, a lot of um, meaningful time for an ACC program and was a starter level player there. And now he comes to Penn State as being maybe the number three, number four type cornerback and just strengthens the depth there. It's not a position that you had great concern about the, the starters and the high-end guys, but I think they really wanted to get somebody with some good experience um, to help fill out that depth a little bit, and Storm Duck is a really good uh, person to do that. So the three incoming seem like good fits at good positions, and, uh, and they're certainly not done yet. And, you know, I, I like that you brought up Johnny Dixon because a couple of years ago when he came in, I was – pretty much of the mindset, gee, why are they doing this? They don't really have a need at that position. It was a great addition. And it's at that position where multiple players play beyond the starters. So even if you are number three, number four cornerback, you're going to play. So I think they were a good addition so far, and we're all waiting to hear if there's more announcements coming in. Um, on the outgoing players, Got to mention, he's not going to the portal, but we just had uh, on Sunday, Bryce Effner announced it seemed to be he's essentially just done with football. He's not entering the transfer portal. He's, he's played enough football. He's not looking to use that extra year provided by COVID. Surprised at all by that? Do you think it will hurt them, hurt this offensive line at all, Dusty? Uh, I'm not that surprised because the prospect of using your sixth year of eligibility isn't a slam dunk, you know, and, and where you're at in life and where you're at in football. If you if you've kind of had enough uh, getting beat up and putting yourself through the ringer, both academically and athletically, I can see not jumping for joy to sign up for that extra year. It's It's a gift in some respects, but you're also, you know, if you're ready to start your life your post-football life, or if you're ready to, to go pro or whatever you want to do, you know, six years is a long time to spend in college. So if you're not interested in getting a first or a second master's degree or something, uh, I could definitely see it with Bryce Efner that you're not looking at a guy who's going to be a, a staple on Sundays necessarily. Maybe, maybe he tries uh, to make an NFL journey happen or something, but you're not looking at a guy who's going to be a star at the next level. You're looking at a guy who did his role and did it really well, did everything that was asked of him, including bouncing back and forth between positions and being a swing man. And this year, you know, being kind of a co-starter at right tackle. He has served Penn State extremely well, and I don't think he owed the university anything else. I think he, he did his job well, uh, and now he's off to the next chapter of his life. And I, don't, I also don't think in the same breath that uh, with Caden Wallace officially set to come back that you know they're, they're going to get punished at right tackle. And if anything, I, I honestly believe uh, with, the, with Olu Fashionu coming back, 
now you've got, okay, where does Drew Shelton go? And then maybe Drew Shelton's a co-starter at right tackle. Or maybe Javon Williams, who's done such good things even this past week at the All-American Bowl, maybe he has a pathway to, to getting on the two deep somewhere too. They've got some tackle types coming through the system who are pretty good. And not that you're looking at Bryce Efter as somebody who's robbing opportunities from those guys, but at the same time, it makes it pretty crystal clear on the depth chart that A, Caden Wallace is your starter, and that B, you're probably going to see a, a, a pretty good, young, talented guy uh, get that second job and maybe get forced onto the field a bit more, uh, including Drew Shelton, who did such a good job down the stretch. You make a good point. With Fashnu and Wallace coming back, I think the depth at offensive line, if not great, it'll at least be good. So the loss of Bryce Efner is, is not that big a deal. And you also have to think about being an offensive lineman who doesn't necessarily have great prospects for playing on Sunday. Do you really want to go back into the trenches again and get yourself beat up the way these guys do? You know, practice after practice, play after play. And then with, with Bryce Efner, what you saw throughout his career is a hard work to keep that weight together. Not all these guys are 315 naturally. Bryce Efter was like a 260-pound tackle. I'm sure that that weight journey, he might be looking forward to that being over too. And it's not just like, hey, I can eat all, all the fried chicken I want or whatever. Like, I think he had to work in multiple respects, discipline-wise, to make sure that he was, had the frame of a Division I uh, offensive lineman. And I'm sure we're not finished hearing about the guys who are either going to the draft or entering the transfer portal. So far, as far as the portal goes outgoing, I don't think there's been any really great losses so far. Uh, You lose depth, that quarterback, with Christian Vayu, but I think we all saw that coming anyway. There's still a few decisions that need to be made as far as declaring for the draft or not. The guys off the top of my head that I think of of are Curtis Jacobs, Adisa Isaac, and Theo Johnson. And those three are difference makers on this team for next year. And I don't think you're battling the transfer portal with them. You're battling a declaration for the draft. Any of those three that you're really concerned about leaving, Dusty, leaving too big a hole? Yeah, I mean, I think um, Curtis Jacobs would probably be number one on that list for me. Um, and, you know, the comfort level at linebacker has changed quite a bit from the from the offseason to now, from last offseason to now because of what Abdul Carter was able to do. But Curtis Jacobs is still just such a rangy playmaker, um, such a talented guy. Uh, I'm not sure how he's viewed at this point by NFL teams, by evaluators. You know, he's still a little bit on the small side for linebacker. Maybe teams view him as kind of a hybrid uh, type player at the next level, the linebacker safety type player. I don't know. Um, Adisa Isaac, you know, he's still just scratching the surface. I think that would be a big loss also. Um, But I think they've got some good edge rushers coming back. And then, you know, Theo Johnson said, I I believe after the Rose Bowl, he was leaning toward coming back. So that's by no means official or anything. But um, I would expect for him to come back just because he doesn't have the body of work yet. Uh, Everybody's intrigued by his, um, his frame and his talent and his speed and all that. 
but I think he could really benefit from putting it together as a number one tight end type, you know, having a year where he maybe catches 40 passes for 700 yards and, you know, six or eight touchdowns or something. I think that is very much in his wheelhouse for next year. Uh, and he can benefit by doing that and putting together some good film. It's, it's, it stinks being uh, injured and dinged up at the start of a year and not being able to really prove yourself. I think he's back for that reason. I'm very intrigued by the other two. Either or both would be big losses, but I think just with with what Jacobs has been been and meant at linebacker, that will be an especially tough one uh, looking at next year. And with Theo Johnson, got to remember, Brenton Strange has always been there in front of him. This will be the first season Theo Johnson could be that clear number one tight end. I believe he and the other two could really help their draft status by coming back. Yeah, for sure. And I think Theo Johnson, you know, the opportunity to not just have more routes run and targets and catches and all the volume in the passing game, but if he can become a menace in the in the run game too, if he can be a, a blocker just like Brenton Strange was, that would help him a great deal. And I'll tell you what, I think the, the one-two punch of Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren sounds pretty good coming back and you've got a good competition for the rest of the spots there. Um, but I think it's tough if Tyler Warren is your best tight end coming back. I think he might be ready, but uh, I think to have a guy who is athletically gifted as Theo Johnson really helps that tight end room. And I believe the design of this offense now where that tight end gets to lead the running back through the hole and make some very obvious blocks, obvious plays. We saw that with Bretton Strange this year, and I think that could be Theo Johnson next year. Speaking of next year, that's what we're going to talk about with all this post-Rose Bowl uh, game excitement. Stay tuned for that. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim. He's Dustin. As promised, quarter number two. We're going to talk about all that post-Rose Bowl excitement for the 2023 season. 
Quarter number two is brought to you by our good friends at 409tailgateclub.com. The barbecue sauces, the Bloody Mary mix, the chicken rub, and now introducing their coffee barbecue rubs. I got a chance to use them over the holidays. Fantastic stuff, Dusty. And if you're interested in trying them, which you really should be, just go to 409tailgateclub.com. That's 409tailgateclub.com. You know what, Dusty? I had some of the products sent out to Andy Shea. I didn't send any out to you, did I? No, you didn't. But what he, he, he's the favorite child, and I'm just an afterthought. It's nothing new. Well, at least you understand why. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, that that, co- right, that, that coffee barbecue rub, though, I feel like I could pour that into some boiling water and just drink it like a cup of coffee, and it'd be, it'd be amazing. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll have Andrew send you some, and you will enjoy it. Uh, I'll tell you what. I know Andy Shea did. Uh, he tempted me with what he made. Anyway, we'll stop the food talk. We could pick that up later in the week with Andrew P. Shea. Let's talk about this Penn State football team, Dusty. After this Rose Bowl win, I get the feeling this Penn State team is going to be the darling of the prognosticators for the 2023 season. What do you think? Well, I mean, I'll let you share some of the details, but it's already taking shape for 2023. It's easy to be optimistic about this team. And I think, you know, for the most part, I'm buying it. I just want want to see, you know, I, I think over the course of his career, it's fair to say that James Franklin and his teams have have fared better as underdogs than they have as, you know, playing with something to lose, so, so to speak. But I think this team is going to be really good and really balanced. And, of course, there are still some holes to plug. And now we'll get into, you know, reasons to be optimistic versus reasons to be pessimistic. But um, from what for my money, like, I understand there are some variables when you go from uh, Sean Clifford, a really known commodity, for better or worse, and and – I never got a chance to really check in on the Rose Bowl, but I love the fact that he went out on the highest note of his career. I don't know if there has been a more favorable for performance for Sean Clifford than what he did in the Rose Bowl. So God bless him for um, being able to kind of deliver that one final mark of positivity to win the game, to be able to pause the game and walk off with tears in his eyes and hug his brother going off like really storybook stuff. And he deserves all that. We Everybody's been hard on him. I've been hard on him. I've been... I've had high expectations uh, for him, and a lot of other people have too. And I think he, he'd never really met them, so to speak. But, man, he, he did give everything. You can't dispute that. Um, but anyway, you, you go from, from, from that experience level to a fresh, to a, you know, he'll be a, a sophomore next year in Drew Aller. There are some variables, but from what I saw from Drew Aller, from his feel and from hearing behind the scenes, the way that he worked, the way that he improved, he had to have done so many good things right behind the scenes at practice in order to even be called the number two quarterback. So I think there's a lot to be excited about, and the upside certainly is tantalizing for this team. For Sean Clifford to end it on that kind of high note, and from everything we hear, he has been a tremendous mentor to Drew Aller. So let's talk about this team, though, for 23, and let's start why the reasons for all that excitement And I sent you a copy of something that I saw. It was actually a betting thing on the Heisman Trophy. And it listed, you know, some of the obvious players. 
Drew Aller was actually listed in the top 10. And an interesting, Nick Singleton, he was down, I don't have the list right in front of me, Dusty. I don't know if it was 13, 14, 15, somewhere along there. He was actually the first non-quarterback listed in the betting odds for the Heisman. So you have high expectations for the quarterback. You also have not one, but two tremendous running backs coming back and potentially a better offensive line. They were improved this year, but there's more promise for next year with that offensive line, which has been a real sticking point for a while. Well, and just in general, I think uh, silencing the doubts about the development of offensive linemen, more than anything else, in 2022, that's what Phil Troutwine did. Uh, People were concerned about this group, concerned about Phil Troutwine, concerned that that they might never have even a Big Ten average offensive line. Then in 2022, you have Olu Fashionu, who who emerges as a potential high first-round draft pick. He put that off for another year to come back in 2023, which I think says a lot about how people inside the program feel how good they can be next year. Um, you know, you had injuries and, and, and some moving some musical chairs a little bit. And Caden Wallace was, was down. They co-started at right tackle. They, they kind of co-started at, at right guard. So now, you know, you have Juice Scruggs who moves on, and but Hunter Norzad vows to come back. You've got um, in more than enough proven bodies to field a really, really good unit. And then they went out, and I think they, they signed – maybe the most impactful offensive line group that James Franklin has signed at Penn State, um, you know, without looking at every single class, but to have the two high-end guys who are, are five stars by one service or another, Alex Birchmeyer, who's an interior guy, and then Javen Williams, who is an, a, a tackle through and through, boy, they, they, they've got some real serious momentum. Um, they've got the personnel to be really good, but I think they've got – now the momentum and the reputation and they've got favorability when it comes to uh, how people feel about this group, which is good. I mean, it's been a while since you could be this optimistic about that group as a whole. Exactly. And we're going to talk more, of course, about the promise of Drew Aller, trust me, in, in the coming months going in. A lot of high side there. On the defense, I could say to you, they're obviously losing P.J. Mustafer. Uh, They're losing Joey Porter Jr. They're losing Jair Brown. On the surface, gee, a lot of talent going out the door, Dusty, on defense. I have zero concern about the defense, though. (laughs) Zero. There was, like, too deep, it felt like, at just about every position. So this is a team that played the last several games already without Joey Porter Jr. I'm not sure there's any doubts about that defense. No, I mean, you, you're going to need, like, P.J. Mustafer's a loss, and I think they're going to be looking for a veteran body uh, inside. But, you know, I think you've seen um, Kaziah Izzard emerge a, as a better player than he was the year before. You had all those edge guys, whether Adisa Isaac comes back or not, you still got um, Chop Robinson um, there. You've still got uh, really good players at linebacker. You've got really good depth at safety and some exciting guys who are in the 2022 class. Um, that that just signed. Uh, so I think um, 
2023 class, I guess I should say. Um, so I think like th- there aren't a lot of questions as far as, as that goes. Like, of course there are um, key players to replace because every good program in America has players to replace. But um, I think as much as anything, the collective mentality of the defense and the way that they swarm and how aggressive they are and how athletic they've always been, you know, they've got speed and athleticism at every single position. And I think they've got a coordinator um, in Manny Diaz for at least another season who really wants to use that aggression and it fits his personality and it fits his tactics and strategy. So as much as anything, look at at even beyond the individual personnel questions, uh, you've got a ton of athletes and you've got a ton of really good football players and you've got a ton of experience for a coordinator who loves to use exactly what their, their strong suit is. All right, Dusty, let's go to the other side of the coin. Causes for concern. Let me tell you what I've written down on my notes. Four things. Wide receiver, inexperienced quarterback. I still have a bit of concern about the one technique with P.J. Mustafer missing at defensive tackle. And perhaps the biggest issue. We talked about all the excitement about this Penn State team. I saw one way too early top 10 that has Penn State ranked sixth. That's the great news. Here's the bad news. Two and three are Michigan and Ohio State, who are still in your division. Yeah, that's the that's the real catch twenty two of it, isn't it? And and you know the dynamics within that aren't going to change. Like of course, every Big Ten East, um, you know that you're you're third best or, or, or third fiddle to those teams, but it's still like you've still got the the matchup issue that Michigan presents, and you still got the fact that Ohio State for all the good development and recruiting and all the athletes you have, you're out talented by Ohio state. So you got to find a way to win that. You've got to find a way to win against the team that, that is looking to do something pretty much entirely different from what you're trying to do. And that's been an issue against Michigan. So, but I, I do think that, you know, I think there's a, a collective confidence within the young players in the program that they're kind of like players of purpose and they're, they're players of destiny. And they, I, I think there's a real collective belief from these young guys that this is the group that can get them over the top. You know, and the fact that so many of them played early in their careers kind of supports that. But I, I feel like the the group that 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 became such a key group for them in 2022 and will be even more key next year. I don't think they're lacking for confidence or belief that they belong on the same field and that they they can win those games. Now you just got to go out and do it. I agree with you. And in addition to that, we were talking about some of these players prior to the Rose Bowl. I said. One of the things that differentiated Penn State from Utah, and it's something that will happen going forward into 23, there are stars on this Penn State team all over the place. You've got two star running backs. I think Theo Johnson is or can be a star at tight end. You got a high first-round draft pick at left tackle. You've got exciting defensive ends like Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, Deny Dennis Sutton. You've got an all-world linebacker in Abdul Carter. You've got Kalen King at cornerback. It feels like at almost every level and every position, there's a star. And what do they always tell you in football terms? The positions that matter the most, the positions that pay the most at the next level. Quarterback, edge, cornerback, left tackle. 
You know, you all, of all the players in the in the positions that you just named, Penn State has a very, very talented person at all those spots. Uh, Drew Aller not proven yet, but I think he's I think he's going to be more than fine. So all those premium positions that require premium athletes, Penn State's got them. And what I've seen of Drew Aller so far tells me he's going to carry his his weight. Will there be some growing pains? I'm sure, but I think he's going to be a star. That's it for quarter number two. Quarter number three, going to give you two more reasons for optimism in 23. And that's the two coordinators, Dusty. Let's talk about them more in quarter three. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dusty, as promised, I wanted to talk to you about what I think are two more reasons to feel good about the 2023 season and where this Penn State football program is headed, and that's the two coordinators who are both returning. Fingers crossed on that, but it seems like that's going to be the case. And where do you want to start, offensive coordinator or defensive? I'll give you the choice. Let's let's start on defense. Uh, he he's the newest guy. Uh, we talked a bit about Manny Diaz, you know, uh, in the previous segment as well. But um, I, I I really I love the brand of defense, and obviously Mike Yurcich did some really good things uh, this year, and can do more really good things that go in a different direction with a different quarterback and all the different personnel. But let's start on defense. All right, let's do it. Uh, anyone who's been listening to our show knows. That from preseason, actually even a year ago when Manny Diaz was hired, I've been thrilled. And he more than, in my mind, more than fulfilled what my expectations were. 
uh, Dustin, he came in here. Before we talk going forward, let's talk about what he did this past season. It was an aggressive defense, which was fun to watch, and I got to believe was fun for the players to play. But more importantly than that, he did that. He put his players in the best position to succeed. And I, th- I think of that as the key to success that this team had. Yeah, and I, and I think that's you're, you're going to hear head coaches say that a lot where, you know, you would much rather have flexibility to bend what your philosophy is around what you do have. And, you know, I think it's easy as a defensive coordinator to bend your philosophy over the fact that um, you've got athletes and speed. Every, every defensive coordinator would want that opportunity to, to change their thinking to make use of those attributes. Um, but, that you know, Manny Diaz, that's part of who he was. And why it was such a good marriage from the jump, I think, is that for what Penn State had coming back, um, the strengths that they had, the experience they had, Manny Diaz was, was a pretty perfect fit. And I think, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, it, it looks like it's fun to play in that scheme. And I think it's it's – so important too, like the number of opportunities that every player seemed to get, you know, I think I I have it as 14 different players had at least three tackles for loss. Um, I don't know what it was the year before, but I would venture to guess that it was a, a, a significantly lower number than 14. Everybody got involved and he wasn't afraid to line up uh, a cornerback to blitz or a safety to blitz or to, to send Jair Brown up the middle or off the edge. I mean, he had somebody who was capable of making the full range of plays and he used them accordingly. But then you also saw, like, especially early in the season, there was a point where Johnny Dixon was a team sack leader. You know, like the, he's sending these cornerbacks off the edge and it's like, you know, who wouldn't want to have that opportunity? You know, you're, 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 trying to play football at the next level for the opportunity to make plays and showcase what you can do. I think 2022 was a really good sales pitch that if you have a certain uh, set of skills that, you know what, it doesn't matter if you're young or old, or if you have a niche role or whatever, you're going to have an opportunity to do that. I think there are so many different examples of that. The other part to it is he was able to do this and succeed with playing so many players also, Dustin, we talked earlier about Storm Duck coming in at cornerback, and we compared that to Johnny Dixon coming in. Johnny Dixon was coming in when there was already a set pair of starters at cornerback. But you know what? Johnny Dixon got his opportunity. So I look at these things uh, quite a bit differently now. There are it, it doesn't feel like there's bench players on defense. It feels like there's two or three starters at every position. That creates depth, and it also means, hey, these guys aren't tiring out. And I think it even makes them healthier through the season because they're not taking so many reps. And I think, I mean, that's been what, that was what Brent Pry wanted to do too. That's what James Franklin wants to do on both sides of the ball. Um, But I think, like, the, the difference to me might be the fact that if you made a, a wave of substitutions and you've got um, reserve guys in at multiple spots on, on the team's third or fourth drive of the game or something, I, don't, I didn't really see Manny Diaz as changing his philosophy or trying to hide anyone. 
Uh, he wasn't trying to, to finesse around the fact that his starters were out. He treated them just like the starters and gave them opportunities just like the starters. And I thought that that was pretty cool, too. Um, and what that does, obviously, in-game for four quarters, especially up front, you know, guys wear down. You're able to stay a little fresher, deeper into games by making that sacrifice early. Uh, you also, I think, are able to build continuity within a program, especially on the offensive and defensive lines, if you're willing to allow a guy uh, experience to grow. If you're willing to, to deal with the fact that you might have a mistake or two, you might have a, young, a, a youthful mistake or something, uh, if you're willing to deal with that, these guys get enough snaps to really be a platform to spring into the next year or spring into a new role. And a whole bunch of guys on defense um, got that got that opportunity, I feel like. And it's like both the safety spots, they were wide open to playing multiple guys. All the cornerback spots, you saw Johnny Dixon a lot. Uh, you saw Marquise Wilson a lot. You're probably going to see Storm Duck a lot next year. Um, so I think that, you know, the, these spots, they're going deep uh, and it sets them up for success within games and it sets them up for success over the long haul. Because, you know, even if you say, you know, however many starters that Penn State's going to lose on defense, there are so many guys who, who had snaps that, that they can jump into a starter's role with no problem. They're not going from zero to 100. And the last point I think that needs to be made with the defense is they got better over the season which should not be a surprise with a new coordinator from that Purdue game till the end of the season. And part of that improvement is you saw the development of the young people. And I think that's nowhere uh, demonstrated more than with Abdul Carter. By the end of the season, he was playing like an All-American. Beginning of the year, I, he we saw it in spots, but you didn't see it on that consistent basis. By the second half of the season, we saw it all the time. I think come next season, not only him, but some of the other young players, you're going to see it right off the bat. Let's flip over to the offensive side. Mike Yersich, he had, I believe, a good season. It was the first time Sean Clifford has had the same coordinator for two years, correct? Yes. Dustin, for me, the most impressive thing with Yursich was he adapted his offense to the talent he had. He may not have had the depth at wide receiver. He ended up, he played multiple tight ends. He played multiple running backs because he had depth and talent at those positions. Plus he broke out the T formation. He, he used these guys pretty well, you know, and I love the T formation as a change of pace. You know, he's, he's going under center sometimes. Like, he's using um, the tight ends and the fact that they're physical and that they're good blockers. You know, it, if you're able to use those tight ends that way, um, it's, you're able to disguise looks. So, you know, th that T formation was awesome. Uh, and it was very successful from what I – like, I, I don't really think a lot of times when they lined up and used that, that, that they didn't really get what they wanted. So, and I think there are all kinds of wrinkles that can come off of that now. So I, I, I feel like the, the different formations and, and the way that the running backs were used, they, he, they had a pretty good finger on the pulse for the most part of, of how to mix in Katron Allen and Nick Singleton uh, and get the most out, out of both of them too. You know, they have different styles. They're not the same runner. And, and you know, I think they manage the backs very, very well, um, all things considered. 
I think they, they did their best to, to play up all the good things that Sean Clifford was able to do, which was, you know, read defenses, make decisions, manage the game, use that experience to his advantage. And I feel like it gives me personally confidence that uh, they're going to be able to play up what Drew Aller can do, which is make throws from sideline to sideline and push the deep ball down the field. Uh, we talked about Devin Carter arriving from NC State as somebody who can maybe fit in with that. Uh, you had Amari Evans, who I think could you could see kind of a nice connection emerge there too. Uh, so I think the offense will will shift and change a little bit. And the fact that they can go from you know Katron Allen and Nick Singleton beating you up inside the tackle box, outside the tackle box, to a quarterback who can beat you fifty or sixty yards down the field, that makes it a pretty tough offense to match up with, especially when you have somebody who's pretty fearless and creative calling the plays. And I don't know how much credit here goes to Yursich, how much goes to Troutwine, but perhaps the biggest revelation this season was the improvement in the offensive line. Huge, huge. And I think I think all parties um, get credit for that. Just like all parties get blame whenever, whenever they're not uh, performing at a high level. The way that you're calling plays and the way that the, the, the offensive line is coached and the techniques that they're being taught for the scheme that you're running, it's all like a synergistic kind of thing. And, uh, and they got on the same page and they got there. So I think obviously Phil Troutwine and the way that they made decisions about who's playing where and, and develop guys, uh, primary credit goes to him. But uh, I, th- I think Mike Yersich is very much involved in that and, uh, and, and learning how to use that, that talent that he's got up front. So I think Yersich gets a little bit of a, a credit for that too. A question that I hear quite often is, how do you think Mike Yersich now, who's shown he's a pretty adaptable, how is he going to adapt and change this offense with Drew Aller behind center instead of Sean Clifford? Well, I think obviously, I think you, you probably are able to take some more shots. You're able to take the lid off uh, opposing defenses. Now, some of that's kind of based around the wide receiver personnel, which is still a work in progress. Uh, but you're able to use that arm strength, not just down the field, but the the types of throws that he can make outside the hashes into the sideline. I mean, it, it opens up the playbook more where you're not managing around a deficiency there. And I think playing with Sean Clifford was a great benefit to Drew Aller. Um, over that year, and it's a good thing that Sean Clifford stuck around. Uh, it's funny how that narrative kind of was up for debate early, especially when we were down in Alabama recording a show about <laughs> Sean Clifford sticking around. But I think in, in the long haul, like he was able to absorb and and really see work habits in motion and be able to learn through and through what he's doing. It's going to help him. I think he's got instincts for the position too. He's not just a big, uh, a big strong arm guy. I think he knows and can feel the position. So that's pretty exciting. Some growing pains for sure. But if you got a guy who's instinctive and can climb the pocket and push the ball down the field, you have a lot of options now if, if you're Mike Yersich. And I can't wait to see it, Dusty. How soon to the blue-white game? All right, that is it for me. But stick around. Dustin, I'm handing the baton off to you. You're in charge. Quarter number four, we're talking wrestling with Jeff Byers. So stay tuned for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. 
Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. This is quarter number four of the Keystone Kickoff Show. We're shifting our focus back to Penn State wrestling. After a couple weeks off, I, out, of, out of one side of my mouth last week, uh, Jeff Byers joining us, last time we were on, I said it's going to be weekly the rest of the year. And, uh, and then promptly we go two weeks without Penn State wrestling. Two weeks without me, too, which I don't know what's the bigger loss here. But uh, we're back talking about Penn State wrestling. Uh, pretty good timing for considering uh, what these guys did Friday night uh, in Madison. Kind of a crazy road trip on, on a Friday night. They go in there, beat a really good Wisconsin team, 28-12. to 12. Uh, I know there are a couple of things that stood out to me, and I'm sure you'll bring them up here, but what were some of your big thoughts on that match to be able to go on the road and take care of business against a good team? Yeah, I think uh, I think from a, the Penn State perspective, I think you're, you're pleased with the effort that all of the kids are giving, and you know, I, I know it's a, a tough spot right now for Gary Steen, and obviously that's a, a really – tough opponent to be opening up conference play against. Um, but I, you know, I think what they're looking for right now is, as a coaching staff is, is more effort and, you know, are you getting the fight that you need out of these kids uh, more than the, the technical stuff, the technical stuff they'll keep working on. And uh, but with, with some of the younger kids and, you know, for me, the, the two things that really stood out, I, I, I really like the, the conditioning of this team. And this has been a pretty consistent pattern under Kale now, a very consistent pattern under Kale, is that this team comes out of break in, in really good shape. And that is not always the case uh, with, with college wrestlers. Uh, you know, you get in that break and it's not that they're not uh, serious or committed, but, you know, you're home, you, you eat a couple of extra <laughs> things here or there that maybe you shouldn't. Uh, or you take an extra day or two off from you know just wrestling around, uh, and and I don't think it's a big deal by the way if kids do that. I don't think that's the end of the world. You have another couple of months till nationals. So, but Penn State uh, under K- oh, these guys just have um, done a remarkable job uh, of taking care of business uh, while they're at home and, and coming back um, in every bit as good a shape as when they left, if if not better. Uh, and I, I'm just always impressed with that because, again, that, that's just not uh, always been the case in the years I've covered the team. Uh, and I just don't think any of the kids uh, for Penn State looked like they were out of gas 
uh, in the third period. And even, a, you know, a kid like Matt Lee, just uh, the, the effort uh, for all three periods. I mean, he was clearly outmatched. But I thought the, the effort, he was con- consistently hustling back to the center and all of that. Uh, and for me, you know, Shane Van Ness is the one guy I would kind of focus on out of the, the dual meet. Uh, just because, uh, again, it's another opportunity for him to get experience against a, a highly ranked opponent, which I think is just critical regardless of how the uh, bout unfolds. But as that thing went along, and it's been another consistent thing that we're seeing out of Van Ness, he kind of figures things out. Uh, and, you know, I'm not a big fan of ifs and going back and, you know, if that or if this. But, man, if he gets that takedown that he nearly had at the edge of the mat, it just would have been interesting to see how it played out. I'm not saying the outcome would have been any different, but I I would have liked to have seen it because Van Ness was putting the pressure on him throughout the the three periods. And I think, again, I'm still not sure if he got a little dinged up in that first period exchange or if he just was uh, was tired. But I I do think... uh, Van Ness will uh, have everybody's full attention here when March rolls around. He, he is a guy that just wrestles hard, learns from each experience, and you know he reminds me a lot, and I'm not predicting a Carter Storacci-like run in the postseason, but Carter that freshman season uh, you know, had that loss to D.J. Washington, and then from there kind of figured things out, then got you know pretty well handled by Kemmerer in the Big Ten Finals, and then obviously turn it around two weeks later. And I just think Van Ness is a similar style wrestler. Now that weight class, I, I will say, I, both Van Ness and Facundo, the two kind of standout freshmen here, and then we'll obviously get to Levi Haynes as the third standout now. Uh, but I think those uh, those two guys are probably in the toughest, deepest weight classes in the country. So they could have good tournaments, really solid tournaments, and neither All-American. Uh, now, I think both will, uh, at least earn All-America honors this season. And then, obviously, the the news that everybody else is going to be talking about is Levi Haynes. And listen, Levi is a special kid, and you can see him coming on. That was a really good opponent. Not, you know, not a guy that I think is going to be on the podium here in March, but the step right below that. Uh, and Model has a lot of experience, and I just thought Levi, all seven minutes, controlled the, the action there. And listen, I'm not uh, I'm not the one that uh, is going to make the the call here, but I don't think I mean everybody sees the handwriting, and it has nothing to do with Terrell Baraclaw and uh, any lack of production there. It's just you have something special, and he's coming on very strongly here, and I just don't think the coaches are going to have a choice here but to to go with Levi the rest of the way. Uh, I think you answered the the great big question that people probably have about what you do with Levi, and it's hard it's hard to push that back. Sixteen to six on the road against a ranked kid, and as you said, controlling the match from start to finish. And I and I think you know the idea of explosive growth over the second half of the season. You know you're going to be looking at this, this kid as explosive growth over each progression in his career as well. So where he is right now versus where he's going to go. And it's because, you know, I've gotten to know Levi pretty well over the years. Um, it's because, like, if, if we, we talked a few weeks ago about the model Penn State prospect, right, and what they live for and how, what their attitude is like and being grateful for the opportunity and being humble and all that stuff, yeah. all of that is Levi Haynes. And he has been businesslike to the extreme. You know, he's from Biglerville High School. 
He won a state title as a, as a junior. He pinned a kid in the state finals. It was his hundredth career win. I asked him afterwards, you know, that to get that state championship, what what does it mean? And then for the hundredth win, no less. And he's like, but he looked like he just like woke up from a nap or something. And he said something along the lines of, "Well, I guess I could have been more excited." You know, and and I think like that attitude uh, that he has and the ambition that he has, it's going to take him a long way. And and as much as we've seen him grow, it's still just the beginning. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think that's that's the other part of this is you know I think he's already separating himself from uh, Terrell in terms of on on mat performance. And again, it's not a knock on Terrell. It's just that, that you have. Uh, something special here. And they knew that they had that. The question is, you know, can you hold off a year and letting that uh, specialness <laughs> take a hold on, on the mat? And I just don't think you can at this point. I just think that, um, and I agree with everything you're saying in terms of, of what he brings to the table with his attitude, uh, with his approach. Um and really, I, I would say that about all three, you know, the two redshirt freshmen along with Levi, who's, of course, a, a true freshman here, uh, is th- they all have that, uh, that humility. And the other thing that they have, uh, and I think this is an underrated uh, component of Penn State's success under Cal, is all of these guys obviously take wrestling very seriously. It's a very important part of their life. But they will all tell you, Jason Nolf, Bo Nichols, Zane Rutherford, David Taylor. I mean, David Taylor, you would think eats, uh, sleeps, and breathes wrestling. They will all tell you that they know and understand wrestling is part of their life. And there is a lot of other things going on. And while they want to win and they're putting everything into it to try to win, if they don't, uh, they will all tell you that yeah, it doesn't define my life. I'll, I'll be fine. The sun will come up. And I'm just telling you, over the years of covering wrestling, I've covered a lot of kids for a lot of teams, including some at Penn State, uh, that 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 is not what they would tell you. That that not winning is um, feels like it's the end of the world to them. I'm telling you, when you have that that type of pressure on you, you wrestle differently than hey. What an opportunity I have here! This is cool. Let me see what I can do, and if I don't. Bummer. I mean, big time bummer. But now I got to go on and uh, find success in the rest of my life. And, you know, I I see all of these guys, you know, Zane Rutherford just had his first kid, not to get too far off topic, but just to see the perspective that these guys have uh, in their life and what they're bringing to the table with what they do beyond the wrestling mat is, uh, is I think, probably the most rewarding thing uh, for this program, despite all of the accolades that they've had on the mat. And you know what I think is pretty cool, Jeff, is uh, just the idea, and I'm assuming what happens behind the scenes, but Kale doesn't have to tell these guys that. Like, I think the, the, the connection that's there and why the pipeline has continued for as long as it has and probably will continue until Kale hangs them up or whatever is that, you know, it's all just understood. This is just understood. Um, they're looking for a, a certain character attribute or two. Um, certainly looking for high-level wrestlers, but looking for what you're describing. So it's not something that has to be addressed. Like, if you as a coach to a 20-year-old kid, let's say, you have to say, like, hey, take it easy when you lose. You know, that it's too late. So I think that as, as much as anything, they're finding guys who, who fit that. No, and it, it you're absolutely right, and it's a huge component. And I'm not gonna, 
I don't want to go too far in the weeds here, but I will tell you that the neat thing about watching these guys, uh, you know, I have a seven-year-old son who we just started the M2 uh, training. He's just going once a week, just getting exposed to it. But I was thinking about this while we were down there, is that passion that they have for wrestling. And uh, Lincoln McElravey, for those that don't know, was one of the all-time greats at, at Iowa and just a heck of a lot of fun to watch not so much if you were an opponent but I mean he really he had that offensive mindset that these Penn State kids largely bring to the table and piled up takedowns uh, like very few in the sport have done there was a pressure on him to win uh and you know part of it I think was internal part of it was family and part of it was from the Iowa coaches but one of the really sad things to me is is Lincoln McElravey today wants nothing to do with the sport if if you uh he's bitter uh about the the experience because it was not fun and i know again penn state i know gets made fun of for oh yeah it's fun because you're winning all these national titles i'm telling you that is not why it's fun i think the titles are a result of the fact that these guys truly do they, they have a passion for the sport they love it and you're just not going to hear any of these guys that wrestle through kale come back later and say they they hate the sport because Kale's not pushing them to do anything uh, that they, they don't want to do. I, I mean, he, you know, he may push to get some extra work in here or there on a particular uh, thing. But, you know, basically, I mean, Kale's attitude is, listen, if, if you want to be the best here, we're here. We'll help you. You tell us what we can do for you. And that's it. Uh, so 28-12, they win. I know we keep getting into the philosophy of the Penn State Wrestling Program. I'm sure we will continue to do that. Uh, they have a little bit of a break here. January 20th, uh, Bryce Jordan Center against Michigan is the next one. And then in the following week, January 27th, against Iowa at Bryce Jordan Center. So the two bigger venue contests there. That's Jeff Byers, and that's wrapping up here for the Keystone Kickoff Show. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. In the meantime, check us out, keystonesportsnetwork.com. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.